Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC for this, the Lord's Day, Sunday morning. My name is John McCooley, and I am a semi-retired law librarian who shares information with you each Sunday morning at this time concerning our court system. Our legal resources available to the public and court forms that you may need when you're coming to the court. You might want to learn more about how those forms are made available to you and how they work. So this program is all about providing basic information. We're not attorneys. We don't practice law. For that, you need the Minnesota State Bar Association. But for us, everyday people who want to learn more about the law and find information that is very practical. Maybe you, you for example, got a speeding ticket and you want to look at the statue, or maybe you have dark windows or loud mufflers. Uh, that kind of information is readily available to anyone right on their computer. We don't have to go to a law library anymore. Everything seems available pretty much online, and you can learn more than you can imagine if you follow through. I received a degree in paralegal arts and sciences, and one of the ways that made that interesting for me is I worked during the day, and so you could take that course at night or whenever you were able to work on it. And I really had the benefit of uh, the, the, the instructors were just very, very helpful in that kind of subject matter. So I urge those of you who might be younger and looking for uh, some kind of a career, paralegal is uh, an area that you might like to consider simply because it's a value in any profession you work, whether you're working as a manager of a shoe store or maybe you're a mechanic, knowing the basic law and where to find it and how to formulate questions for an attorney. These are valuable, uh, I think, assets to most of us because a lot of times we enter into things we have no idea what we got into and sometimes we pay the price for that. So knowledge is power. And so this program comes to you as a public service of KRWC each week for the last, oh goodness, five or six years. And we don't know how long it'll always last, but it is a program designed to provide the information, as I say, that you might need when you need it. Now, that's quite saying something because we're fortunate enough to have access to the courts by delivery to your own auto or your house by means of radio. There aren't many radio stations that would work on perhaps such a selective or esoteric program, but yet it's something that is important to all of us to know and understand where to find some basic law and what's available to you. If you don't know, you certainly can't begin your search. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. We do want to let you know that we have a couple of legal commentaries that think will be of interest to you by our district court judges. And today, District Court Judge Greg Geller is going to be talking about what a guardian ad litem is and what that entails. For example, if you are in a custody matter, the courts may often assign a guardian ad litem to the case to basically uh, gather information about oh, the child's welfare from such authorities as the school teachers, a doctor, maybe a social worker, or others 
who have a unbiased uh, attitude toward the child and can be helpful in getting the information and small details, but important details that the court may wish to to use in their guide and when they make their decisions. So Judge Galler has been doing our commentaries for a number of years, and today he just happened to pick one from the past, and it talks about, again, what a guardian ad litem does. And we'll give that a listen in just a few moments. A little later on, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey is going to discuss free press, first right amendments, rights and responsibilities, things that you may or may not have known about our press. And we thank the judges both for their work in this commentary business. They've been doing quite a number of them, and we've been airing them. And we do get comments from time to time from folks who like to hear something. For example, the one we get the most is the cost of a DWI, staggering costs. And Judge Geller did a great job on that. And so we uh, listen to that in advance, and you have a pretty good idea of what it's going to cost should you be on the road and stopped for a DWI. So let's uh, take a break and listen to District Court Judge Greg Aller. He's chambered in Stillwater, but part of the 10th Judicial District, which includes the Horseshoe area right around our Twin Cities. So uh, give it a listen, and we'll be back on Legal Happenings in just a few moments. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. I am sometimes asked how a judge can make a decision in cases where both parents see custody of children. These are some of the hardest decisions that a judge must make. In addition to the guidance set out in Minnesota law, judges are sometimes given input by a guardian ad litem. A guardian ad litem is a neutral person whose sole duty is to advocate for the best interests of the children. The term ad litem simply means for the lawsuit. Because of this, a guardian ad litem's authority typically ends when the case is over. Unlike a traditional guardian, a guardian ad litem's authority is far more limited. A guardian ad litem has no control over a child's property or person. The guardian ad litem is an advocate for the child. You may wonder why a guardian ad litem is needed when the parents also advocate for the child's best interests. Unfortunately, sometimes parents seem to seek out only what is in their own best interests. For example, a parent might seek custody to avoid paying child support. Other times, a parent may want custody to fill an emotional or psychological need or even to punish the other party. The guardian ad litem advances recommendations independent of the position of either parent. How does a guardian ad litem do this? First, they gather information. Normally, the guardian ad litem speaks with each of the parents. An initial interview takes place at a neutral site. Later, the guardian ad litem will go to each of the parents' homes, both to ensure that the home is safe and to watch the interaction between the parent and the children. Guardian ad litems also frequently speak to extended family members, teachers, daycare providers, and medical providers to learn as much about the family as is possible. Sometimes guardian ad litems recommend that parents be evaluated for psychological or chemical health issues to learn even more. After all of the information is gathered, the guardian ad litem prepares a written report which everyone receives. 
The report outlines the Guardian Ad Litem's work. The report also makes recommendations outlining what the Guardian Ad Litem believes will be in the best interest of the children. These recommendations can include which parent should be granted custody, what parenting time or visitation schedule should be established, what services or treatment plans should be made available to the family, and a wide variety of other recommendations tailored specifically to the family's needs. The Guardian Ad Litem report is not binding on the court. However, it does provide helpful information that judges consider very, very carefully when making decisions. Guardian ad litems receive rigorous and extensive training before they are allowed to undertake this work. Guardian ad litems come from a wide variety of backgrounds. The most important qualification is to have a genuine desire to look after the best interests of children. The best guardian litems carry with them a lot of maturity, common sense, and life experience. Because of this, their role in our court system is invaluable. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. Well, we want to take a brief moment and remind you that if you are looking for forms, the site to go to would be the Minnesota Judicial Branch website, which is the premier site here in Minnesota. And the website address is mncourts.gov. There you'll find everything you need to know for a self-help or a person that, that does not have an attorney. You just want to learn the basics. You can go online and get forms for any divorces, let's say, or perhaps you got a title problem, or you're taking someone to conciliation court. All of these forms, by the way, come with instructions, and they're step-by-step. -step. They're written out so that folks can follow it along quite well. And all of this comes about because more and more people are using the court system for uh, settling disputes and trying to work them out. Hopefully, a lot of it could be done through alternative dispute resolution, and that is a program in which you work with the courts through a a negotiator, arbiter, someone who is trained to help you and the other party work it out. It can save money, time, and is proven to be very effective in our area. So there's a lot to basically learn, and if it's just information you're looking for, like, oh, maybe you've bought a house and you've got some problems with the, uh, the place and it's not in agreement with what you thought it was, or perhaps you have a problem with the landlord, or you're not getting paid right, check out lawhelpmn.org. Lawhelpmn.org is an organization that provides a lot of legal resources and quality, plain language information that can help you understand a particular issue. Maybe you're not even aware that some of these forms are available. Uh, for example, if you're, uh, again, looking for something, and you go to one of these sites, you'll find usually a lot of fact sheets. Fact sheets kind of lay things out kind of simply, and you can go along and, and learn a lot of information and save yourself a lot of time and uh, energy learning something. Again, knowledge is power, so check that out, lawhelpmn.org. And finally, the Attorney General's Office offers a vast amount of information to the public, anything from uh, seniors' rights through landlord-tenant issues 
or uh, any any number of civic and civil matters. And you can uh, find them simply by Googling the Attorney General's Office in Minnesota. It'll take you right there. And, for example, that would be the organization you would file a one-page complaint against a business. That's filed with the Attorney General's Office, and they'll just say, what is it you want us to do? And I, I suppose that if the Attorney General's Office gets enough of those requests, they'll look into it. But you leave that to them to decide. So, And again, one final note, if you need an attorney, remember the Minnesota State Bar Association is the place to go when you need an attorney. And when do you need it? Well, maybe you've been served with papers and you don't know what to do with them. Well, those kinds of issues are very time-sensitive. You read the paper closely, you'll see you only have so much time to answer. So the best thing to do is contact the Minnesota State Bar Association. You can find them online at helpdesk at mnbar.org. That's helpdesk at mnbar.org, and they can uh, help you out a little bit so you don't make a bad matter worse. And we'd like to take a few moments before we listen to District Court Judge uh, Stephen Halsey talk about the free press and just say a few words about our county attorney, Mr. Tom Kelly, who has announced that he's going to retire at the end of the year. Well, those are some big shoes to fill. I worked for Mr. Kelly from 1995 to 2012, and I can personally say it was a great guy to work under, and his leadership is, uh, well, I, I was just impressed all along the way. Well, every year we uh, seem to make some advances for the public. For example, Mr. Kelly was very instrumental uh, way back November 13th of 2007 when he started a free law clinic where people could come in and get information from a dozen different kinds of uh, what they call volunteer attorneys, and the program was very successful. Unfortunately, COVID-19 has taken this, the thrill out of that, and um, the help is not available as it was before for obvious reasons, but Mr. Kelly was the one who got that started, and he made a section of a brand new law library where he moved from one location to another and set up a really beautiful area for the public. That is where people could come in and get divorce forms on a computer or they could find other information. And uh, there was all the resources that they needed in a nice, clean, safe environment there in the law library. And uh, we put it to use for a number of years. We had a lot of people coming through, and we always heard good remarks uh, for Mr. Kelly, along with May 1st, Law Day. We always set up displays in the lobby of the government center, gave away law books, gave away a lot of information, and all of that, again, is through the uh, work of what Mr. Kelly had done. Now, he is, uh, and was, the president of the Law Library Board which is made up of five members, but Mr. Kelly was the one who kept it going for all those years. And we want to thank him and wish him well in his future ventures, whatever they may be. Well, let's take a break and listen to District Court Judge Stephen Halsey talk about the first right amendments of free press. Welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC Radio. I'm Judge Steve Halsey. District Court Judge of the 10th Judicial District, chambered in Wright County in Buffalo. Uh, 
the uh, title of my uh, top my uh, comments today is the Constitution protects a free press. One of the most frightening images of the recent presidential election was a young man at a political rally in Minneapolis selling t-shirts that read, quote, rope, tree, journalist, some assembly required, close quote. It is obvious that he either has no knowledge of history or doesn't care about it. History teaches us that the first targets of a military coup whether in Africa or South America, are the radio and television stations and the newspapers. Those seeking to overthrow a government seek to control the dissemination of the truth to the masses. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution states in part, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. One of the landmark U.S. Supreme Court decisions that freedom of the about freedom of the press is near, it's N-E-A-R, versus Minnesota from 1931. I'm going to summarize that decision uh, from an article uh, published by the Bill of Rights Institute. Minnesota had a law subjecting newspapers to official approval before publication. Publishers had to show good motives and justifiable ends for what they were about to print. If they could not, the paper could be censored in advance. Additionally, it was a crime to publish obscene, lewd, and lascivious or malicious, scandalous, and defamatory materials. Mr. J. Near published a scandal sheet in 1920s Minneapolis. This paper was devoted to sensational news and expose reports on corruption. Near regularly criticized elected officials and accused them of dishonesty. He asserted that the chief of police was taking bribes and that the governor was incompetent. Near was eventually stopped from publishing his newspaper in 1925 on the basis of the Minnesota law. The U.S. Supreme Court held that prior restraint on publication, that is censoring newspapers in advance, in Minnesota was the essence of censorship and the heart of what the First Amendment was designed to prevent. Even in cases where printed statements could be published, could be punished after the fact, libelous statements, for example, neither federal nor state governments could stop the publication of materials in advance. The court cautioned that prior restraint may be constitutional during wartime. No one would question but that a government might prevent actual obstruction to its recruiting service or the publication of the sailing dates of transports or the number and location of troops. In a society with a free press, journalists who have the power to shape public opinion may test citizens' commitment to the First Amendment. A free press puts the responsibility on the citizen to determine what is accurate, what is worth reading, and what is worth watching. Uh, that ends the uh, my uh, quoting from an article on freedom of the press from the Bill of Rights Institute. Here are a few quotes about free press from three of the founding fathers and others. First, quote, Our liberty depends on the freedom of the press, and that cannot be limited without being lost. No experiment can be more interesting than that we are now trying, and which we trust will end in establishing the fact that man may be governed by reason and truth. 
our first object should therefore be to leave open to him all the avenues to truth. The most effectual hitherto found is the freedom of the press. It is therefore the first shut up by those who fear the investigation of their actions, close quote. And that is a quotation from Thomas Jefferson. I will follow that up with a quotation from George Mason, who is sometimes called the father of the Bill of Rights. Quote, The freedom of the press is one of the great bulwarks of liberty and can never be restrained but by despotic governments. Close quote. The next is a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. Close quote. And lastly, a quote from Fisher Ames, who's one of the first uh, elected to the first U.S. Congress. Quote, we are heart and soul free friends to the freedom of the press. It is a precious pest and a necessary mischief, and there would be no liberty without it. Close quotes. So if you value your freedom to read the newspaper or listen to this radio station, please don't take that freedom for granted. Those in positions of power may have designs upon that freedom, particularly if criticism for their ruling is sharply focused and truthful. If we are not vigilant, our precious freedoms can be lost in the interest of security. These freedoms have survived for over 200 years precisely because of the checks and balances of our three branches of government, that is, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch, and also by the freedom of the press. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court in Buffalo. That concludes my comments. If you have any comments or questions about my comments, you can uh, send me an email to stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, dot halsey, at courts.state.mn.us. Thank you for listening to Legal Happenings. You're listening to Legal Happenings on KRWC. Thanks for the company. If you have a question or a comment or an accolade or criticism or whatever, we'd like to hear from you. You can write me, John McCooley, at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's lawlibrarian at frontier.com. And we'd be more than happy to respond to you, maybe help you find something if you're looking for something that's of obvious or it's common knowledge. We don't, again, give legal advice. That, again, you need the Minnesota State Bar. But we do give information for people where to find an affidavit of survivorship or something very simple or basic, uh, which is not practicing law since it's available right there on your computer. Or in some cases, you might have to get uh, to the library and pick one up from those folks. So uh, we're just uh, here to try to prevent or any misunderstandings of the law and to try to minimize any legal misunderstandings through the common knowledge of following the examples of the forms. They come with instructions and we need to follow them. And if you have a question, feel free to drop me a note. Just know, let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear that. We thank Joe Carlson for putting this program together each week. And we do thank the station for their concern for putting on information that is informative and educational. And it's important enough to have taken up the time of two quality judges who have been very, very civic-minded in putting together these legal commentaries. And we can always be thankful for that. 
All right, it's, uh, I guess, geez, time to wrap things up here. We have heard from a couple judges, and we'd like to hear from you. If you are, by the way, in a domestic situation and things aren't going well these days, and of course that's so true of many of us losing our jobs and uh, family matters, remember that there is help at the Rivers of Hope, and that organization helps people work together where there's family violence. And you need only to contact the Rivers of Hope uh, to help get the help you need because they work with the court system, have done for years, they're well-known, and do a great job. So remember, there's help available. If you contact Rivers of Hope, 763-295-3433 is the number. There's also a crisis nursery here serving the Wright County area. And there's help available, but uh, it, it, times have been tough. I, uh, I wish that uh, we could get back to having some more uh, open-time free law clinics, opportunities to go in and learn new things. But continue to educate yourself because knowledge is power, and I think that uh, you'll feel better about yourself. And for you youngsters, again, you might like to consider jobs that entail... Uh, supporting the legal systems, for example, paralegals, anything that uh, you can do to help, maybe be a, you can actually volunteer for it. Uh, what is it, the Guardian Adelitum program? I believe Hennepin County has one, and Wright County, I'm not sure. You'd have to contact them. But it's a great area, something you can learn, something you can carry with, something you can help other people with. So, I thought. Anyway, I hope that you've learned something, and if you have, please share it with somebody else. And I hope you'll return here next week at this same time for Legal Happenings. And until then, we wish you the best. Stay healthy, and God bless. Mm -hmm.